Today's episode of Recovery Survey is fueled by Brainwash Coffee Company. I'm sure you've heard that drug and alcohol use is on the rise, especially during the pandemic. And Brainwash Coffee Company is working to raise money and awareness to support people seeking help. They donate 50% of their profits and their mission is to give back to the amazing recovery community. Their why is bold and their coffee is fresh. So if you want to sip on an amazing brew that warms your mind, body, and soul, then visit brainwashcoffeeco.com and use promo code recovery survey at checkout to get $5 off your first order. Brainwash Coffee Company, simple coffee for complicated people. You're listening to Recovery Survey, the podcast that shatters stigmas around different types of addictions and takes a deep dive into spiritual principles. I didn't know who I was. I was absolutely clueless who I was. I started drinking at 12 years old. So when you wake up at 38 years old without alcohol, without any kind of substance, you go, oh my God, who am I? All the things I was trying to escape that these drugs and alcohol made me escape kept piling up. So every morning I woke up, it was more and more anxiety for the stuff I just ignored the day before. Today's episode is going to be a twofer. I have Curtis and Danny from the Sober app. If you guys haven't checked out the app yet, you definitely should. Welcome to the show, guys. I am Danny the co-founder of the Sober app. My Instagram that I generally function off of is the sober underscore socially, which I created 90 days into uh, my sobriety. But prior to that, I kind of white knuckled my way through the very beginning of my sobriety. I I didn't really know what I was doing. I just woke up one Friday morning and knew I needed to stop drinking and using opioids. That was a big, a big issue for me. That sort of escalated my drinking. But in any case, so I grew up um, in a very abusive household that was filled with a lot of drug use. Um, both of my parents had me kind of young. They were hippies. They were very much into what they were doing. Um, They had my brother shortly after I was born and he got sick and died. And that ultimately led to their divorce and escalated their drug use. And I was sort of put on the back burner, or at least that's how it felt. They divorced and I had to bounce back and forth between my parents um, every other year from the time I was five years old until I was old enough to sort of make the decision to not have to do that anymore. So in the years that I lived with my mom, I was in a very abusive um, situation. Her boyfriend at the time was a heavy meth user, alcoholic, pothead, everything, you know, he just used everything under the sun. And I was ultimately what he took his anger out on. He was very jealous of the relationship between my mom and I, and would abuse both of us super heavily. And the drug exposure in conjunction with all of that was like super heavy. So I was exposed really young to that lifestyle. Um, I watched them cook meth. I watched them make their glass pipes. I listened to the scraping of the razor blades on the glass when they would do speed. I would, I was constantly surrounded by that lifestyle and just sort of floated around with them wherever they went. was told to be quiet, was told to keep my head down 
bouncing back and forth with my dad was my saving grace because while my dad was still a drug user, he maintained some form of, you know, routine and responsibility and showed me what somewhat of a normal life looked like. And so my dad quickly became my hero. Fast forward to 12, 13 years old, my mom and her boyfriend finally split and my mom got into a new relationship. That's also when I learned that I could start using alcohol to deal with the feelings that I had been harboring for years of abuse and drug exposure and living in a tiny, tiny travel trailer for six, seven years of my childhood, never having my own bedroom, never having my own toys, hardly had any clothes, you know, just so many years of shame and embarrassment and not understanding why. So alcohol very quickly became my best friend and I didn't stop drinking until June 13th of 2020, unless I was pregnant. And even then I would, you know, have a glass of wine or, or drink one beer and justify it in my mind that I wasn't, you know, the alcoholic that I normally was. And in the process of those 27 years of heavy alcohol use, it was craziness in high school, partying every weekend, your typical teenager just out trying to find every party they can. It was already experiencing brutal hangovers and blackouts and um, experimenting with other drugs and mushrooms and acid and everything under the sun and getting you know myself into situations that caused trauma that at the time didn't even realize it was trauma you know, watching one of my friends get raped right next to me. I tried to maintain relationships with friends and family, and I just couldn't keep things together because of my alcohol use and my need to party. It was the most prevalent and important thing in my life. And so I got married young, had kids young, divorced seven years after my first marriage, got into another toxic relationship that was very volatile, full of a lot of everything under the sun that was not good. I had my, my next son and then split after that, became a single mom with three kids in school full-time, working full-time, still maintaining my alcoholism. It, you know, I balanced my kids and my jobs in between my need to party. So that just didn't, it, it never stopped. No matter what I had going on in my life, no matter how chaotic or crazy my life was, it never stopped. And then I got into a new relationship. And at that point, my dad had gotten real sick, got cancer, passed away. And my new relationship, about a week later after my dad passed away, I found out that the other and only other man in my life that I trusted, which was my fiance at the time, cheated on me. So now I'm going through losing the only two men in my life that I trusted most. And that's when my alcoholism spiraled out of control. It was the need to get as drunk as I possibly could as often as I could. And for me, that, that, that quickly resulted in drinking wine. Like wine was my, my go-to for everything. It just gave me the, the drunk that I was looking for. And then on top of that, I decided to start dabbling with opioids. And so I mixed in a lot of pills with drinking so that I could escalate my drunkenness. And that went on for years before I woke up on the morning of June 13th and said, I can't do this anymore. I was absolutely powerless. Everything in my life became unmanageable up until that point. And 
I couldn't do it anymore. And the only reason I knew that is because I was blessed by having my sister-in-law walk into my house, having six months of sobriety and sharing her journey with me that gave me that little bit of hope and curiosity of what life could be like without alcohol, even though it terrified me. I woke up the next morning and said, I'm done. I want what she has. And that was that. So I stopped drinking. Um, I stopped using anything I could. I quit cold turkey in every possible way. First 90 days, I thought I was some kind of badass because I didn't need anything or anyone to get sober. And I quickly fell on my ass around the 90 day mark when I lost my stepdad. He died from the same kind of cancer that my dad did. So that was an eye opener for me that I, while I didn't need to drink anymore, I was lucky enough to be lifted with the obsession of drinking, but that I didn't know who I was. I was absolutely clueless who I was. I started drinking at 12 years old. I literally stopped growing, developing, evolving in any form at 12 years old. So when you wake up at 38 years old without alcohol, without any kind of substance, you go, oh my God, who am I? How do I, how do I function? How do I operate as a person? How do I deal with these emotions? How do I be responsible? How do I have fun? How do I, there were so many hows that I just felt so lost and, and truly lost to the point where I would be driving and I'd find myself in parking lots, debilitated in fear and confusion and anxiety just drowning in my own tears because I just didn't know what the fuck to do. So I reached out on Instagram. I created the Sober Socially and I started following a lot of hashtags that said recovery or sober life or sober or anything that was sobriety related. I knew I needed to recreate the world that I was living in and it needed to revolve more around the world I wanted to be in. You know, life has been the biggest blessing ever since then. I, I will tell anybody as crazy as it sounds, Instagram completely changed my life. I utilized the social platform to get vocal, to reach out, to connect with other people, to listen, to understand, to educate myself. And in that process, I was able to get really heavily engulfed in the recovery community, meet some incredible people, learn more about myself, learn that it's okay that I don't, you know, that I lived my life all these years with all these you know, things that I did in my life that I felt so much shame and guilt for. I learned how to let things go. And in that process, I started going to AA. I met an amazing group of women through AA. I met my sponsor, who's an angel. And she stepped me through this program and taught me, you know, acceptance and self-love and forgiveness. And I created a connection with, you know, a very spiritual connection with, you know, my higher powers. I know it. Once I started healing from these years of alcohol use, I knew that there was more I needed to heal from and to, to grow into, and that I was just scratching the surface at the person that I was meant to be. And I um, come December of last year, I found myself in this crazy funk. Just, I couldn't step out of it. I mean, it was from like September to December and I, I just couldn't figure out what was going on and I know now that I was in this area of feeling like there was more for me and I just didn't know how or what. And so I continued to pray. I continued to let myself feel all the ways I needed to feel and educate myself and stay connected with people and just journal and really just sort of 
internally process and find those moments of solitude and try to find any kind of clarity as to what my life was supposed to look like. Wouldn't you know it? Curtis reached out to me, the founder of The Sober, on my birthday, actually. We uh, had our first Zoom call to talk about The Sober app and his vision for it and his goals. And I fell in love with the idea immediately. And I basically told him he had no choice but to work with me. (laughs) And I was very persistent. And I just dove headfirst in. And life since then has been... A three no 360 would make it the same 180 degree change <laughs> I've acquired an amount of courage I never had before I am in a position where I can finally speak for myself and know what I want and know what that looks like and know that it's okay to follow my heart and follow my dreams and I found something that I felt so incredibly passionate about that I'm not allowing anything to to stop me or get in the way of being able to give this gift back. And that's what I was given on that phone call was an opportunity to not just change my life and change myself, but to help change, you know, other people's course of sobriety, of recovery, to make an impact, to help in some form, you know, some way, shape or form. And that is what I had been praying for. So here we are, um, just a, a couple months into the development of this app, and it's been so incredibly life-changing, and I am able to be of service every day, which fills my entire heart. I've created these relationships with people that I dreamt of, this life that I'm dreaming of is poor Kurt. I literally every day have to say, I still cannot believe this is all happening. I can't believe this is my life, our life. It's real. Yeah. It's just, um, it doesn't seem real yet. It's, it's just something that makes so much sense, but at the same time is, I don't know. It's unbelievable. (laughs) So I'll take over now. Um, yeah. So I was, I had a great Brett, I had a great childhood. Um, I had three older siblings. We were all exactly two years apart, two years and two months exactly apart. So we were all really close. We were all best friends growing up. My parents were socialites. My dad worked a great job at a pharmaceutical company. My mom was a stay-at-home mom. Um, My dad was away a lot, but when he was there, it was just amazing. Nothing, no family issues like that. They were uh, you know, in love and, you know, everything was great. Um, we are a very popular family in a small town in Maple Ridge, British Columbia, Canada. And, you know, we were, we had a great life growing up. My, you know, every school I went into, because I had three older siblings, I was instantly one of the most popular kids, had everything. My parents, my parents drank a lot of wine. You know, they were socialites. Um, they would always have wine in the garage that they house made they'd always have about two three hundred bottles so they would never have to go to the liquor store they didn't drink to the point where it was bad for them they were just you know they'd have a couple bottles of wine a night and have people over and it was a very normal thing and um because i had four three older siblings i got into i started experimenting i would always see them drinking i got i started probably experimenting with alcohol around 10 or 11 you know stealing liquor stealing wine out of the liquor cabinet when I hit about 12, 13, I would come home to my brother's house parties. I remember one time I had a, one of his friends owned a skate store. I was really big into skateboard and he owned a skateboard store and they all dared me to chug a beer and do a bong hoot. And he would give me a free skateboard and a t-shirt the next day. So of course, what do you know? I'd do it. And 
Um, that's at, I think that was at about 12 years old. So from then on, it was just partying was the norm. It was fun. It was something you, every weekend you would look, look forward to high school years, you know, had my brother's IDs. I was going to the bars at 15, 16 with them bonfires in a small town, just Wednesday nights. It turned into, as I got older, it was happy hours and um, you know, you're drinking every day, Monday, Tuesday, were usually your days off and Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, there was a bar night for everything that was throughout my twenties. I got, I even in at 18, I got in a bad, I blacked out after a breakup and partied really hard. I remember the last drink I had at the bar I was at was I ordered a full pitcher of rum and Coke and I finished it <laughs> and then hopped in my car with a bunch of friends, dropped them off. I had a girlfriend with me at the time and I T-boned a tree and was I've gotten metal all up the side of my body because of that. And I was in the hospital for a few weeks, busted my femur, ribs, everything, inches from death. I was driving an SUV at Ford Explorer at the time, and it was just wrapped around the whole thing. So very lucky I didn't die, but that didn't stop anything. You know, once I got healed up and stuff, it was boom, music festivals, partying again. Um, and no one, and no one in my life, you know, stopped it. It was like, cool, whatever. He's healed now. My parents, my everyone, we all actually got in me and my three siblings in our, when I was about 19, cocaine started to come in around a lot more in our town. And we all kind of started at the same time, me and my siblings, and we were always partying. And it was more like a once a month kind of thing, big events, you know, birthdays, weddings, et cetera. But as my 20s went, got into it more, it became a more and more thing, you know, like every weekend type of thing. During all this time, I was an entrepreneur. I was always running or starting businesses. You know, at 20 years old, I was... Um, the operations manager of one of the biggest gyms on the West Coast. After I left there, I started a building maintenance company. I started my own boot camps and fitness companies. And but those always failed because of my drinking and my drug use. And I would always blame it on other things, you know, blame it on them, blame it on the other people, blame it on the customers. And I would always quit. Um, I never really got fired, but I would just quit because I wasn't happy, because I wasn't happy with myself. So because of that, I started, you know, I always wanted to get rich quick. I always thought being an entrepreneur was meant, you know, get have tons of money. I could start buying in real estate and travel the world and be a nomad. So I had a lot of friends from my small town who um, were heavily into growing and moving marijuana at the time. And I got involved with that. And, you know, over the course of a year, I made some amazing connections across Canada. And at uh, some, at one point, you know, we were making, you know, sometimes between ten and $20,000 a week. Um, we had three apartments in Vancouver. We were driving around in a Bentley, Mexico, Vegas every other weekend. Um, but that's that's when the heavy cocaine use started. You know, we were balling. We were freaking at the clubs every night. We were going on three-day benders, and it didn't matter because we just didn't have to work or deal with life. And then at 25, that all came to a screeching stop when I my hotel door got kicked in, and it was the uh, special drug task force. and. I won't go into that too much, um, but yeah, basically, that is the moment when drug and alcohol use. Um, I came home. I was uh, four years of court, um, hundreds of thousands, a hundred thousand dollars worth of lawyer fees, and not to mention the amount of stuff that was lost in the bust. Um, people threatening to kill me. People banging on my parents' door. The amount of stress and anxiety that came from that, and not to mention the the deep kind of regret and shame and from, from my family and my parents, I felt that's, I, I started using cocaine at that point, two times a week and drinking every day 
because the anxiety, distress, the shame, the guilt. As two years went on, the cocaine use got more and more and it, you know, cocaine, I would drink and then I would start using cocaine and that would let me escape reality. Um, but as the time went on, it became more, the only reason I was drinking is because I was on Coke and I needed to bring it down, bring me down so I could basically do more Coke. And then it got to a point about three years ago where I was using almost every single day, um, anywhere from a gram to two grams a day. And as this was happening, all the things I was trying to escape that these drugs and alcohol made me escape kept piling up. So every morning I woke up, it was more and more anxiety for the stuff I just ignored the day before. Bills were piling up. Jobs were I was bouncing around from job to job. And I still had this, all this shame, this guilt that I never fixed. And I was just hiding it with drugs and alcohol. And it just became this huge wall that I couldn't face anymore. This is when people started to notice it. May 22nd of last year, um, on my birthday, uh, my brother's girlfriend or fiance, her brother was, is still a heroin addict. So she was starting to see some things. And, uh, you know, I would deny it. No, man, I'm fine. I'm just going through some shit, blah, blah, blah. But I, I wanted to change for so long. For like four years, I knew I had an issue and I needed to change, but I just couldn't battle it. You know, I would tell myself halfway through the day. I was never a user at work. Unless it was a weekend I would use during the day, but never at work. It was never to that point. But I would always tell myself throughout the day, you know, I'm not going to do it today. I'm not going to do it today. And I would do so good. And the moment four o'clock hit or two o'clock in, I got off work. I was calling my guy. So I was kind of approached with the opportunity. I was living in a house. I bought a house with my ex-girlfriend and we were going through something. And she's basically gave me an ultimatum, like, tell me what the hell's going on with you or you're out. And I literally left the house because I thought it would be easier to text. It was the scariest moment of my life. She wouldn't let me leave. She walked, came out to the elevator, pulled me back inside. She had no idea. We'd been dating for three and a half years, living together. And she had no idea I was using and drinking every single day because I became a master manipulator and a master liar and a master hider. So that was the moment where I said, you know what, this is the time. Now's a good time. You've been wanting to do this all your life. So yeah, I told her and eventually, you know, we told my family, my family came over that night. I held it from my parents for a couple months because my mom was just battling cancer and going through chemotherapy. So yeah, I was clean for three weeks and then I thought I was good. But for me, it was, I was changing for everyone else. I was doing it for them. I wasn't doing it for myself yet. And I didn't even know what that looked like doing it for myself. I tried support groups. I tried psychology. I thought I was on the right road after about three weeks, but, and everyone did. You're doing amazing, blah, blah, blah. So my girlfriend I was living with at the time said, you know, I've got a birthday tonight. Are you okay? I'm like, yeah, like totally. I'm fine. Like, don't worry about it. I'm just going to stay here and do my, you know, my self-help education work knowing I wasn't going to. The moment she walked out of the house, I was out at the liquor store. I called my guy and I partied all night. And the next day came clean. Well, she pulled it out of me. She knew something was up and I came clean and boom, I was out on my ass, um, sleeping on a friend's couch, lost everything, the house, everything. So that was my rock bottom. And that's when I needed to really say, okay, what am I doing here? Do you want to change? And I really for me, I'd always been a self-educator. I, I, because of that, I, I support groups and the psychology and stuff were helping, but obviously they weren't helping me to the point where I wasn't doing it for me and I didn't know how to fix my brain. But I'd always been a self-educator. I was always a big reader. I always, you know, if I didn't know how to do something, I learned it on YouTube, Google, or I figured out the course for it and or library. So 
I got my own place in the middle of nowhere. I stopped hanging out with friends, family, because I was the only one sober. And I just dove in. And, you know, I was at the library every other day. I was reading over a book a week on addiction and recovery. I was listening to podcasts like this one on three different platforms. I started a new social media account. I was reaching out to people on social media. Same thing Danny said. Everything, blogs, you name it. I was taking in as much information as possible. And that really helped me. It really helped me evolve. Um, absorbing all these resources. So as I was doing this, I uh, came up with this idea. So three months into my recovery, I, I, I needed more. And I was really big into road biking at the time. So I hopped on my bike and rode from Seattle to San Francisco. So it was two and a half months biking every day, anywhere from 30 to 60 miles. Because the, my whole problem was I didn't like being alone in my thoughts. I, I hated myself. I was fine around everyone else, but once I got in my own head, that's when I would use. So, you know, this was either going to be me on a bike trip relapsing every day or me figuring myself out. And it luckily worked out for the good. And this, that bike trip changed my life on that bike trip. I had this idea, you know, with all these apps these days and all the apps I was using and everything, all these books, podcasts I was reading that I was searching for on every platform. I was wondering why there wasn't this an app out there that had all this all in one place. You know, you could hop onto one place. You can get these podcasts. You can learn from these people. I was learning from an Instagram. You could get book reviews and book advices. You can read blogs. You know, you can do little courses. You can do your tracking. You can commute. You can dive into communities. And um, it started as an idea. And as I kind of cycled around America and got home, I really just had this dream and wanted to put it to work and found a platform that would let me build it for um, a lot less money than, you know, $200,000 being a developer. So I started doing it. I had no idea it would turn into what this was. Um, it was literally going to be just um, links um, and just resources through via links on an app. And then I was looking for help financially. So I put out an ad on Instagram saying, I'm looking for founding members. You'll have free access for life. Kind of like a crowdfunding platform. And Danny raised her little hand emoji up with the girl with the emoji. And um, we started working together instantly. And then we started doing collab calls and we started connecting with people like you. And we were doing about sometimes eight to 10 calls a day working from 4 a.m. to 11 p.m. And it's just evolved into this amazing community yeah, rolodex we're calling it so basically i had this idea to have a like a, a netflix meets a master class so it's all this already other content that's already out there like i said blogs podcasts videos but at the same time original content like q a's like courses on how to deal with triggers and cravings and with the help of all our collaborators which is around 100 now and growing it we have created what we're calling the yellow pages of sobriety, where it is a Rolodex of collaborators, recovery centers, coaches, resources, podcasts, you name it, clothing brands. We're going to have a sober store. We've got our tracking and our tracking isn't just days sober. Our tracking is how you're eating on a one out of 10, how you're feeling out of one out of 10, how you're, how you're, if you're doing any movements that day and they're all displayed on a graph so you can kind of see what's working for you. So if you're feeling bad one day, you know, you're 600 days sober, but you've had like a week where your mindset wasn't so good. You can go back and look on the graph and you can see, okay, you know what? I, I didn't work out this week. I was too busy with work and that's affecting me. So you can kind of put two and two together and see what works for you in those four categories. 
our our communities are abundant. Um, right now, we're at about 30, and we can add communities every day. We've got suggestions. People have been suggesting communities, and they're built, built within 24 to 48 hours. But those, to me, were just second and third features. For me, it was the learning section, which, like I said, is a Rolodex. It's got everything you need, I think, to learn and grow. It's got our, you know, we've got motivation. We've just launched virtual in-app meetings um, where you can go in there and see what our collaborators' meetings are. We're eventually going to have links to all the AANA, Smart Recovery, Women in Recovery, SOS, all those types of meetings. Those will bring you off app to their Zoom meetings, but they're going to be there as a resource if that's what you want. We've got every type of coach you can think of, whether it's early sobriety coach, recovery coach, or a breakthrough coach that you know you talk to you know three four years down the road we've got about 20 of the biggest podcasts in sobriety and recovery on there we've got bloggers we've got yoga we've got two of the biggest uh sobriety yoga recovery yoga gonna be have meditation we've got fitness we've got three fitness girls that are just awesome um you name it we've got it and it's still growing this is just our our first version we have plans on already version two and three that are just going to blow this, blow this out of the water. You know, we're going to be doing a lot of starting next month. We're going to be also be doing a lot of live in-app Q and A's original content where our members can hop on and talk to people like yourself. They can talk to their favorite podcaster. They can ask Chelsea Davina, who's a fitness girl about fitness. We're going to have women night Wednesdays where our women collaborators, a few of them are going to hop on and ask any questions to any women members. We're going to have men's night Monday. We're going to have open mic nights on Fridays and Saturdays. Where you can hop on, you can read poetry, you can uh, play the guitar, and you can talk about how that's played a role in your sobriety. We're doing recovery couch with Mike Fior, who still lives in a recovery center, where he can talk to people on the app that are members that are having trouble in their recovery centers. We've just got an endless idea list that we're working on every day. What else are we missing there, Danny? Besides our ideas for phase two and three, but that's to come. And but yeah, I think Kurt covered every single thing. <laughs> Yeah, that, that's incredible, and and you guys both touched on things that I think are are pretty common in in the recovery community. Danny, you mentioned like when you first get sober, there's that fear of like, what does life look like now? And I can remember going through that because yeah. for so many years, my life revolved around getting drunk and high. And it's like, I don't even know how to have fun without a, without a glass in my hand or without a pipe in my hand. Like, what do I do now? Totally. Yeah. I mean, for me, that's how this idea came. It was about a couple months into my sobriety. And after I really worked on it, like really put in like 10, 12 hours a day, reading, listening, working on myself, setting goals. It was okay. Like, I feel good now. I don't have urges. I don't have cravings anymore. I know how to deal with them if I do. And now, but like, how do I do the things that normal people do? Like when I go to the movies now, how do I not think about alcohol when it always used to be me and my brother sneaking a Mickey or a six pack in? How do I go out for dinner and laugh and have fun again? How do I, you know, how do you date again? How do you start a business again in sobriety when everything I've done in life since the age of 16 was surrounded by drugs and alcohol, you know, how do I do these again? And it was a really scary thought, but thing was, I was learning a bit of this stuff from these collaborators on Instagram and podcasts. So I thought that's kind of where it started was a masterclass on how to do things again in sobriety, but it's evolved to so much more. Sure has. I love that. And, and that was the the next point that I was going to bring up that you touched on 
is the community aspect. I think that's such a huge part of recovery. It's critical if we want to maintain long-term sobriety is finding our community because that's, at least in my experience, that's been that's been huge because I didn't ever feel that sense of belonging. Yeah. And and then I, I walked in the rooms and I found my people, my tribe, even though it, it, if I had seen those people outside of a meeting, I wouldn't have picked those people as yeah, the people totally, that I thought right? I would get close to. But like, that's such a huge part is that community. And I love that the app has that community section in there and all the different groups that you can go to with you know, the different topics of what you might be going through. You know, I've, I've, I've scrolled through the app multiple times and, you know, there's like grief and loss groups. There's like newly sober dating, married, you know, married to, to somebody that's still using, like there's all these different communities where you can hop in there and find other people that are going through the same kind of things that you are. Yeah. You know, that was a big one for us because, um, communities and connecting with other individuals was really big for both of us. And I think it's, Everyone we talked to as we built it said the same thing. And when I was using other apps in sobriety, um, you would basically get tossed into a general community with about 40, 50 other people. And everything that you were talking about or you're interested in something else said got really drowned out. And then, you know, you would get people saying stuff that you didn't want to hear. And, and there was no topics. There's no categories. And it was hard to follow this, some, what someone was talking about because other people would just dive in and have their own two cents. So we really wanted categories like being in university or being a mom, like you said, being married to a drinker, all that stuff. Um, We're going to be building them. We want them to the point where, you know, we have hundreds of communities where you can connect with people in like even cities, you know, like sober outing night in Vancouver, you know, like um, sober weekends in Seattle. Like we want to just not just categories, but eventually places too, where all our members can, if you're from that city, you can connect with individuals and do events and, you know, just start, start recovering out loud too, in your own city and do it with individuals from the app. Yeah, absolutely. I think that would be absolutely incredible. And, and I have a couple ideas that I'll talk with you guys about after we're off the air. <laughs> you know, it's people like you and our collaborators that are, have helped us create yeah. what we have right now. Literally, they've been so amazing and so just here this is what i'm thinking this is what i would love to see and it's like that's genius we didn't think of that it's really it's really you mentioned communities and the community that we've built not just in the app for our members but the community we built i think with our collaborators on instagram and now they're and the family we have now where we're talking with most of you people all our collaborators we talk to almost every day and it's not just over instagram anymore it's texting and phone calls and facetimes like people like hype jay out of canada or jared weaver um you know we're like calling and facetiming and just you know talking about our day and shit sometimes it's like it's really evolved into something so amazing and together we're going to be building this app it's not just us uh, we, we might have we, we might have had the idea in the first version but it's it's really that with the help of our collaborators and our community of the sober that has created this amazing thing that we're all kind of working towards now. And that's, you know, recovering out loud in any way, shape or form. Props to you for actually building it. Cause I know I've had a lot of ideas of like, Oh, it'd be really cool if there was like a, a sober podcast app where all the different creators were together and you could like browse through it. But I've never, I, I've never developed an app and I, you know, it's like where I don't even know where to start on that. So it's amazing <laughs> yeah. that you guys have that platform already built and then we can come to you and be like, Hey, what do you think about 
adding this and then you're like, let's do it and go. Yeah. yeah. That's what's happening. That's totally what's happening. It's like, we're here doing the work, but you guys are all the ones that are sort of giving it the direction. You know, we have a lot of people coming at us with a lot of amazing ideas. And so we'll never take credit for that. We're, we're just here doing what needs to be done based off of what we all need. The, the whole idea behind it is that we're better together and, and the app will act as a platform showing just that and connecting all of us in that way. Yeah. And that, and that's amazing. And just that you guys take suggestions from the community. I mean, there's not that many apps where you can message the people behind the app and be like, Hey, I, I can't, yeah, I can't hit right. up Mark Zuckerberg and be like, Hey man, can we <laughs> yeah. change things around? Hey, can you make this on right. Facebook? No. Right. <laughs> so it's awesome. Just like the whole crowdsourcing vibe of like, whatever, whatever somebody can think of, like you guys make it happen. It's, it's absolutely incredible. Well, and that's what makes it successful. Even so early on, we've only had it launched for a week and, you know, we've already had such a good outcome with it and such good feedback with it. And, you know, of course we're working on some bugs and stuff, but it's people's ideas that we get to incorporate. And um, so everyone else is making it what it is, which is, that's where the difference is with it, you know, which makes it amazing all on its own. Absolutely. So for the, for the people that are listening, you guys have already launched on Apple. When are you guys going to be launching in the Google Play Store? I'll know that roughly tomorrow, but we should, it should be within seven to 10 days. But for you, for any Android user or anyone that wants to use it on their laptop, it's just as beautiful as a design. When you, when you launch it on your Android app browser, you just go to your browser and you write in, don't put www. You just put in thesober.passion.io. And that'll bring you to the web web version, which is a, the exact same as the app. And then you can click your little button that makes it a home screen button. And it'll act just like an app there until the Android um, version is out. You can use it on your laptop as well with all the same sign-in. If you have an Apple device, you, it's in the Apple store at The Sober. Um, it's an orange logo that says The Sober in white. You can follow us on Instagram too. That's where we do a lot of our updates. Um, we'll do stories talking about where we're at, where we're fixing bugs. Um, we'll do some content teasers. That's on Instagram at the sober dot app app. That's where we're like, like Danny said, we're in the, we're in beta phase right now. We're, we're not doing any other, we're not doing any marketing right now. We're not doing any promotions other than our collaborators on Instagram. We're always doing shout outs without us even asking. We love you guys for that. It's amazing. Every day we get 20, 30 posts. People we don't even know now are taking photos of it in the app store being like, Oh, this app is the best thing that's ever happened to recovery. It's like, Oh my God, that's just, you know, we've always said, you know, if we just touch one person a day and help them and we're well beyond that with the, you know, reviews and the con content and the, the what people are saying about us on social media, which is really cool. And we're just so excited. This uh, couple of days, we should have some of these basic bugs fixed and version one will be ready to go like full on born. And, you know, we're going to start getting into um, one of the key things we wanted is we need to pay a fee in order to evolve the app and make it better and do version two and keep the app going. So we're, we've brought the fee down, I think a lot less than some of the sober apps that actually provide courses and resources. But what we also want to do is we always said, you know, people who really need this app, we want to give it to them for free. So anyone in a recovery center or a rehab center, we're going to be this week, we'll be releasing uh, like a link that they can basically apply for it. So they Say they type in their name, they um, reach out to us and say, I'm in this rehab center. We contact that rehab center and we get basically let anyone in that rehab center or um, have that, that app for free. 
So if you're in there for three months, we confirm that, boom, you get the app, you get a three month free version. If you're in there for six months, eight months a year, we can keep continuing that. We want people who need it the most because, you know, I'm eight months into recovery and I'm still paying off my debt for my addiction. So I know how hard it is getting back on your feet. So anyone who is really needing these resources in a place like that, you know, we might, we're even going to be looking into giving it to, I mean, Mike made this suggestion, people in prison because they were, you know, they might've been drug addicts too. So we want to give it to them because it's not just sobriety and recovery. It's other things too. We're diving into a lot of mental health stuff in the app, which is, uh, it's everything, you know, we, we say sober, isn't just recovering from jobs, drugs and alcohol. Like you, that's the first phase. And then it's, you know, clarity, like having a clear mind, a clear consciousness and being able to live your best life possible. I love that. I love what you guys are doing. And man, I'm just excited to see where this app is going to go. I'm excited for 2.0, 3.0, 12.0, 12.0 for sure. That's going to be a big one. <laughs> It's awesome, man. I love love what you guys are doing. And I really do appreciate both of you taking time out of your day to talk about your app and, and share a little bit about your recovery journeys. It's it's awesome to get to hear those stories and kind of get to know the people behind the app. So thank you both for coming on. No, thank Brett. You for yeah, us. thanks for having us. We really appreciate what you're doing and Carl yeah. and J.R. Weaver and Ashley and everyone at your place and Recovery Revolution Live. Yes. And you guys have been one of our biggest supporters yeah. and just you guys have just been so amazing and not saying stuff like, you know, what's in it for me type of thing that the mindset usually isn't these types of things. And it's just like, here, I got this idea. Let's do this for you guys. Let's promote you here. Let's do this. It's been amazing. We love you guys. So much support. And uh, we would not be able to do this without you guys. I mean, truly podcasts are one of the biggest elements within this app. And it's because you guys take the time now every day to recover out loud that you decided to get sober, that you are giving the gift that you do give every day and we couldn't do without that. So yeah, we thank thank you you. to you guys. Yeah. Thank you goes to you guys. Uh, I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you both for coming on the show today. I really do appreciate it. And you guys are doing some incredible work with the sober app. Thank you for what you're doing for our community. Guys, be sure to check out the links in the show notes for more information. You've been listening to Recovery Survey. If you got anything out of today's episode, I'd ask you to please leave us a five-star review and share this episode with a friend. If you'd like to get in contact with us, you can find us at recoverysurvey.com. You can listen to all of our episodes on the website as well as connect with us on social media where you can get previews for upcoming episodes.